Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to the Parenting Tools podcast with me, Jason. And me, Jordan. This is the podcast where two normal blokes just trying our best. <laughs> you could call <laughs> us up. Parenting Tools. Talk about the relentless beauty. There we go. Oh, I nearly did it. <laughs> and hilarious chaos of parenting, fatherhood, Looking after tiny humans. <laughs> tiny people. Tiny people, as previously said on a previous episode that I've previously just said previously loads of times. <laughs> Jason, Brilliant. are you excited for this episode? This is episode 10. Are you nervous for this episode? No, I'm not nervous. So we've got your better half. Better half. <laughs> the better half. Yeah, there's no hiding it. We've got Emily joining us today. We do. I'm really excited. Yeah? Uh, yeah, I'm really excited. Let's dive in. Let's go. So Jason, we've got an email that's coming, and if you want to send us an email, you can do at parentingtoolspod at gmail.com. This is coming from Freddie. It says morning lads. Morning. Morning, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what time you're listening to this, but hello lads. <laughs> <laughs> Loving the podcast, so thought I would send in a story relating to a previous episode. So the story relates to episode three. Throwback. Wow, do you remember what that was? Episode three. Episode three was we had Sam on. We, yes. That was our first guest. It was a good guest as well. Yeah. Shout out to you, Sam. Morning, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> episode three, where you guys chat about your experiences of accidentally hurting slash dropping children. <laughs> so... When I was around two, my dad was giving me a piggyback up the stairs. Now, we know we've got some abroad foreign listeners. A piggyback. <laughs> I like Is that it. a British term? Uh, honestly, I don't know. So it's when you've got your child on your back, but not on your shoulders, kind of. They're just on you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure if that's any clearer. <laughs> no, I've made it worse. I've muddied the waters. <laughs> my dad was giving me a piggyback up the stairs to my bedroom to put me to bed. When we reached my bedroom, my dad thought it would be fun to drop me backwards onto the bed. We've all done it. Yeah, sounds fun. Yeah, we've all done it. 
What he failed to remember was the radiator behind my bed. He dropped me backwards and I hit my head, cracked it open. I've got a beef with this term, cracked it open. If someone cuts their head, they're like, oh, I'll cut my head open. No, you've just got a cut on your head. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Honestly, that that term cracked open made head injuries sound so much worse. I was so scared as a kid that my head would crack and like Humpty Dumpty wouldn't be able to be put back together again. Brains all over the gap. It doesn't work like that. No. But Freddie... He did crack his head open. He said, I had to go to hospital and have it glued back together. Oh my word. It actually did have it cracked open. Genuinely head cracked open. I still have the scars, multiple. Still have the scars on the back of my head now. We still talk about it as a family with the highlight of the story being about my older sister being more worried about the blood pouring onto the carpet than she was about my welfare. (sighs) Keep going. You're sounding good. And looking forward to more episodes. Thank you, Freddie. Thank you, Freddie. That's a brutal story. Yeah. Oh, Cracking the head open. Makes the, the nail cutting thing we talked about. Yeah, imagine. I mean. Not I just feel so severe. Yeah. Oh, I, I, can't even, I can't even contemplate that to much more. I can't even use English. <laughs> I don't think Freddie could for a, a little while from the sound of it. <laughs> so thank you, Freddie. And once again, if you want to send us a story, please do email us. Or send us a message on uh, Instagram. Yeah. At Parents Tools Pod. So, Mason, so Jordan, we've had an opening question. We have had an opening question. This has come from Becky on Instagram. And the question is, what is your proudest moment of being a father so far? Oh, honestly, that's that's such a difficult question. Could be an episode. I, I don't know. I, I genuinely, I have to stop myself talking about my daughter mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah, um, that's why we started a podcast because it's just trying to contain it a little bit. Just need the loud. <laughs> doesn't work. <laughs> you know, but it just adds fuel to the fire. It does. I've become that person that talks about my daughter all the time. I'm so proud. Yeah, I'm such a proud dad. Yeah. My proudest moment. That's a difficult one. It's a hard one. Isn't Have you got it? one that comes to attention? So, our daughter is at the stage now where she's 11 months, mm. well, approaching 11 months. So every day is a new thing that she can do. So it feels like I have a proudest moment every day, whether it's uh, saying her first word, which is apple. First word. Yeah. Apple. First word. And do you know why that is? It's not probably not the nicest reason. Our little boy loves apples. He likes to half eat apples. I put it on TikTok. (laughs) I find them in my shoe. Yeah. True story. Just find them lying around. And when he's finished with them, he just gives them to her now. So she can so say generous. apple because she's got half-eaten apples shoved in her face all the time. <laughs> so that was that was a really proud moment when she... Because kids say things and you think, did she just say that? Yeah, yeah. I think the proudest one, though, was the very first episode we did of the podcast. When you first said, here's the first edit, I was in the car with her in the back. And as I was talking on the podcast, listening back to it, she went, dada. Aww. She's never said it since. until this week wow but yeah that was i was like hey siri text leanne marla (laughs) just said dada (laughs) straight away (laughs) so that was a really proud one with with luca and i I guess for both of them outside of them being born Mm. i think that's the proudest moment for me um is recently he started to say that he loves us but first yeah so yeah. like the other other day I was Sweet. I was in bed with him, he just like 
he grabbed my hand and wrapped it round him and he went I love you daddy and I was just I was just I nearly cried I was like, yeah. <laughs> but I was like oh my goodness and when his little sister is like upset he'll go like give her a kiss on the head or oh, something and I'm just so cute. unbelievably proud so it's hard to put your finger on on one have you thought of one yet? yeah I mean <clears throat> yeah I mean there there are so many firsts which mm. are so adorable um, and like the first time that she could sw sing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star by herself that was really cute yeah um, that comes to memory there's another one where she pretends to read the book but because she's memorised the whole book yeah she can do it by the page <laughs> the book's upside down <laughs> <laughs> but she, she knows exactly what's on that page yeah That's so adorable um, th this one comes close this, this, this is the second um, no my daughter's quite small She's a petite. Um, and uh, when you take it into like soft plays and stuff, there's always that thing of like, if another kid snatches or tr you know, try and teach them to be good children. Which I'll pick up with him. Yeah. When she comes on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but this uh, little boy took a, took a ball off Noah and uh, she looked at me and she looked quite sad. I thought she was going to cry. She just looked straight back at the boy and just started screaming, that's Noah's ball. And just followed him. Come on now. <laughs> like trying to snatch it back. It's like twice her Strong size. independent woman. <laughs> I was so proud. Yeah. But the, the one that probably clinches it for me is that she's just so gentle, like with other kids. Mm. And so like whenever she's out or whenever there's another like child crying or something, she's so like attentive and like wants to make it better. And it's just like, ah. Oh. It feels so good to have a nice child. <laughs> like yeah. most kids are like, I like it, but it's just like, it, it's like, oh, you're just so loving. <laughs> In contrast to that about being gentle. So the other day, and this, this really was a proud dad moment. Yeah. I don't think mums would be so proud. And maybe I'm gender <laughs> stereotyping here, but we've got a slide in the garden, a little plastic slide. Yeah. As kids do, you'll probably all know the one. And he was stood at the top and Myla crawled to the bottom try to get up and he was going move my just he just wanted to go down i said jump over her so he's on the top of the slide she's at the bottom of the slide and his eyes lit up when you realize that he had permission to do it leanne's going don't do it i went you can do it i said you not like i'm giving you permission but i meant like you can do it like you can clear her he flipping did it and i was so proud leanne's there like in absolute shock i was there just so proud of him. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, there's a lot of proud moments. I've probably ended it on a silly one there, but oh, so amazing. many proud moments. It's it's hard to say, but thank you, Becky, for your question. And I think we said it last week, multiple times. If you want to send us a question, please do at Parenting Tools Pod on Instagram. Yeah, absolutely. So Jordan, have you had any, uh, any daddy issues this week? Stern, yes. A stern, a stern yes it's a stern, it's a stern yes and all the football fans out there I'm fighting your corner for you oh, here we go football season has started back quite early I thought is it always always early in August it's always August it's just felt really early I maybe it's what, just having a child's made me re realise what time of the year it what is what date is it yeah <laughs> I haven't got a clue before what date her, it is before, but before having kids I had no clue what date it is now I like vaguely understand oh we're heading towards September just like really reorder it me. I had to do a really adult boring thing the other day and like set up a direct debit and the woman yeah. on the phone was like so your payments will start from September I was thinking why are they starting so far away <laughs> it's next month next week oh my word it is next week 
And I said that to her on the... I was like, can I just clarify, why why September? She's like, well, it's the next month. <laughs> I felt like... I was like, I'm a dad of two. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I don't know. <clears throat> but football season has started, yep. which means balancing getting the games... <laughs> And like, so I'm a Liverpool fan and I just, I'm happy watching the Liverpool game, which is difficult at like mid-day on a Saturday or three o'clock on a Saturday, 5.30 on a Saturday, tea time with the kids. You've got to try and get the the game around going out and entertaining the kids. Yeah. And like, they, they tend not to show football games at the farm. <laughs> so it is, so I, I, that is my issue at the minute is Saturday I just I just want an hour and a half to myself to be sat down watching the game. Not even to myself. I don't mind them being yeah. there. Yeah, you just want to be able to actually watch it. I just it. want to be sat down. And it's not an option to record it and watch it later. No. Nope. Because you get all the updates. It's not the same. You get the updates. You get the updates. And as soon as I say to my mates, lads, yeah. don't want to be updated, what are they <laughs> going to do? They're going to update me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's it's a, it's, again, it's a trivial one. It's not life-threatening. It's not a deal-breaker for parenting or anything like that. But that's a balancing act right now. Yeah, fair. It's football season. <laughs> my um, my issue that's come up recently is Noah's now taken an interest into my food. No. I don't know if this is if she's a late bloomer with this. Because <laughs> we've never had this issue before. But now she wants my food. And... Uh, this is more of a bit of a confession. So <laughs> let it out. <laughs> <laughs> My daughter's allergic to milk, egg, and soy. And uh, we've seen the nutritionist and they've said, actually, now's the time we're going to start with egg and then work our way up to all the, the milk ladder. That's a thing. Yep. Is it? Yeah. The well, dairy ladder. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that one once I learn what it is. <laughs> but anyway, it's like we walk around the supermarket and I was, oh, can I have some of that? It's like, no, what are you allergic to? And she'll say, milk, egg, and soy. We'll oh, check, we'll check the back. Blessed, does she? Oh, it's so cute. Another proud moment there. Yeah. Um, we'll check the label, and then if it's got it in, we can't have it. So I've just resorted into going, oh, this is daddy's food. It's got milk or egg or soy in. Most of the time, I'm right. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> our, our butter, our spread for our sandwiches is, is vegan. For Noah's sake. For Noah's sake. So that's, if I'm having a sandwich, it's she's going to be able to eat it. <laughs> But now she wants your sandwich. She wants my sandwich. Get your own sandwich. She wants my sandwich. She wants my crisps. She wants my ice cream. <laughs> I thought we'd cleared it because of the allergies. Yeah. yeah. And she done like literally two weeks ago. Um, she go, oh, can Noah have some? And I go, no, it's got got milk. And she go, okay. Now that's not enough. <laughs> She'll say okay, but reaches for it. And so literally earlier, back off. <laughs> I was having a pizza. She had her own pizza with vegan cheese. Mm specially bought I might add she made it herself it was not the cheese but the pizza <laughs> pasteurising is that the word I don't know <laughs> but I love pizza it's my favourite food is it well sandwiches in general and pizza's just an open sandwich <laughs> oh hello that's, that's Domino's now that's your Facebook advert now you've said it <laughs> I absolutely love pizza so I spent a lot of time making my pizza made Noah's first it was fine she ate it as soon as I got mine sat down Oh, no, I have some. No. No. You had your own pizza. It's, it's got cheese on it. Um, what are you allergic to? <laughs> Recite it. Yeah. But, uh, are you going to add pizza to the list? 
<laughs> Dairy what milk, soy, and pizza. <laughs> I'm tempted to. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's my daddy issue. It's like I just oh, food is one one of those things that I hadn't had to share up to now. Really, not even with your wife. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Because I will order my own thing. And this is a, a classic couple oh, thing, right? Yeah. Order a curry. I order the one I want because I want it. She orders the one she wants because she wants it. I get mine. Do I ask for a bit of hers? No. She looks across at mine and says, yours looks nice. <laughs> yes, it does. That's why <laughs> See, I ordered it. We've uh, I've never experienced that. That's one Have of you the, not? When we and them first dating, that was like, I think I need to marry her. Because <laughs> I went to a restaurant I, and... We used to go for steak once a year at a fancy place. Nice little thing. Annual steak? Yeah. Get two sides because it's a fancy occasion. And we get two sides of ourselves. Yeah, nice. Oh, great. <laughs> so, yeah, there are daddy issues this week. If you want to send us your daddy issues, you can at parentingtoolspod at gmail.com. Or on Instagram. At parentingtoolspod. There we go. <laughs> We're at the point now where I don't know how many times I've said parentingtoolspod. Parentingtoolspod. Doesn't even make sense anymore. <laughs> So speaking of Instagram, our competition is still running. Yes, it is. To win the books. If you want to win 20 books, 20 children's that's a, books. That's a lot of books. And we've got two lots that we're giving away. So there are 40 books up for grabs, two winners. What a competition. When the books came to me, my wife is a primary school teacher. Yeah. Her eyes lit up. Oh. She was going, oh, I've not got that one. Primary school teacher approved. Yeah. She was looking through them. She was going, oh, not got that one. Not got that one. Says you stay away. Yeah, you this still is, haven't. This is for the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to enter the competition, you can do by following our page at Parenting Tools Pod on Instagram, liking the post, and tagging in a friend. Amazing. I think it's time for our special guest reveal, which we've already revealed. <laughs> so please welcome to the pod, M. M. <laughs> I felt like it was like stars in their eyes. Emily. What a what a program, by the way. <laughs> I don't know, by the way. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Emily. Hi. Welcome to the pod. <laughs> Parenting Tools pod. You are our first female. Woo! How do you feel? Uh, I feel immense pressure. Do um, you? Yeah, I do. I'm really nervous, actually. Speaking on behalf of the entire gender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Speaking for all women everywhere. <laughs> well, don't no feel pressure. pressure. <laughs> don't feel pressure. You know my co-host. I'd hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I do, yeah. Fairly well. So my first question to you, Em. Yeah. Is, what is Jason like as a dad? Oh, he's a really good dad. And I'm not just saying that. Come on. 
no he's great he uh he takes one for the team a lot of the time um no he's really good you're, you're a really good dad oh that's yeah. nice to hear yeah you're a yeah. great mum as well if that helps it, it does that's i was fishing to yeah. be fair <laughs> i was just staring and waiting like come on <laughs> no so, no it's good he's, he's really i hate the term like hands-on dad because mm. i feel a little bit like that's kind of just what a dad should be right but yeah but you are you're very you have much this a thing as well like where someone ever says uh if, if a man says oh, i'm babysitting tonight and um, every single time where that fellow goes no, you're, you're not. not babysitting your own kids no, yeah. no i agree Although every now and then I do say like, I'm doing the childcare today and I have to like catch myself because I'm like, if it's not okay to say about men, it's definitely not okay to say about women either. So, but yeah, no, it just, it's just one of those things that just like, really like, yeah, it annoys me. <laughs> to like count to 10, breathe, that sort of thing. So yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. And like the hands-on dad thing, I yeah. went and changed one of our kids' nappies and this woman was like, he's a very hands-on dad. Yeah. Like, what do you want me to do? Like, leave it, <laughs> leave it Come there. Come on, woman. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Surely Anna'd be thrilled if oh, you... Oh, I have done that a few times. It's when you do, like, your your daughter's pooed. Oh, yeah, yeah I've definitely done that a few times. Like, yeah. we, we've been away recently, and she was my responsibility, because Jay was working. So then as soon as we got back, I was like, yep, your daughter's done a massive poo. I think it's time for you to change a nappy now. <laughs> Well, that's only fair play. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. I've forgotten how to do it, to be honest. Had <laughs> you, yeah. So we do something on the podcast, Emily, which mm-hmm. I'm sure you're aware of, yeah, called Daddy re- Issues. Yeah, regular listener. Biggest fan? Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. Like every post. Yeah. Oh, that's so kind. <laughs> Make sure I don't say anything outrageous. Yeah, yeah, really, I'm just doing my research and we'll making sure. We'll get to sure. that. We will get to that. But Em, you're not a daddy, but have you got any <laughs> mummy issues? Yeah, so recently, and I just need to put this out there to see if, like, mine is the only child that does this, but she's become obsessed with looking at her own poo. Wow. (laughs) So every time we change her nappy, she asks us if it's a poo. Is it a poo? Is it a poo? No, it's done a stinky poo, even if it's not a poo. And then she makes us show her the nappy and then absolutely laughs her head off like just finds it yeah absolutely hilarious regardless of what's in there regardless of what's in there doesn't matter what it looks like she finds it hilarious and i was like (laughs) i know it's really weird right like i don't it's quite funny though so i'm yeah i'm quite happy for it not to end yeah yeah. however (laughs) it did take a turn when uh you came out the toilet and there was like no, I see mummy's poo. Oh yeah. And it's like that's the line. So no, you can't you can't keep showing it. You can't show other people's poo. No, yeah. At that point, I was like, oh, this isn't funny anymore. So she like <laughs> followed me into the toilet. You know that thing of like you never get two minutes to go to the loo by yourself. That's like been yeah. happening loads recently. And uh, yeah, she followed me and she was trying to genuinely trying to lift my bum off the loo Turn so that peak. she could look. And I was just like, this is <laughs> this isn't okay, Noah. <laughs> but also, I don't want her to like think poo's like really gross because we're in, like at the start of like potty training. Yeah. So it's like, I'm kind of like, I don't know what the right thing is to do, but I was like, that's too far. Yeah. That's the line for me. Potty uh, training, I think was the one of the worst things that I like didn't, I wasn't looking forward to it. Mm. That's like the it'd one be, thing I just It'd be thought, weird if you were. Yeah. Well, yeah. To, to be fair. But like, I just thought I don't want to, I'm happy yeah. to put that off. Anyway, we did it and my wife did an amazing job, but mm. so you're started, starting. Yeah. We've, she, she's done like a few like wheeze and poos on the potty. We've, but. We, we haven't committed to it yet and really, throwing camping in the mix that was a bit difficult yeah. wasn't it camping That's we just gave thing. it we were just like there's no yeah. way that we can do potty training and camping 
one giant at a time <laughs> we'll just tackle the camping this week and we'll do the do the potty training when we get back but yeah so not really sure even how we're going to do that to be honest my wife did most of it i must <laughs> i, I need to must speak to Leanne say then. yeah speak, speak to Leanne. shout out to Leanne. <laughs> shout out to Leanne. great job she could write a book <laughs> <laughs> so um i've got some questions for you if you don't mind and i've been told mm. anything goes Oh, yeah, okay, yeah. I'm a fair, fairly open book. I mean, there might be a line. We'll see if we get there. <laughs> so my first question is, yeah. do you shout at other people's kids? Right. No, I don't think I've... I don't think I've ever shouted at another person's kids, ever. Because this goes back to our very yeah, no, I know. first episode. I had a word with Jay afterwards. It was like... I'm going to rephrase this... the question. Do you tell off other people's children? I... I have. I have been known to tell off another person's child. <laughs> but like always, always in a group, like if they're both doing something that's not Honestly, right. I admire it genuinely. <laughs> and I remember we had the conversation after the episode went up and I was mm. like, I don't tell off other people's kids. Yeah. I don't do that. And then like, I think a few days later, she went, oh, no, I did it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, absolutely don't, definitely don't ever tell another kid, like child off. And then, like a few days later, we went to a soft play, and I found myself like, just like, I think I think they'd taken something off Noah, and they were playing with it, and I was like, no, we don't snatch, and like took it back off them. Yeah, (laughs) and I was like, oh, I'm gonna have to go back to Jay and be like, you're right, I do, I did it nicely, I think. I think the kids crying in the corner, (laughs) the kids just sobbing away, and I'm like, wow, you did it nicely. (laughs) I did it nicely. Amazing. No, they were fine. (laughs) I swear they were fine. (laughs) So you've told us a bit about your guy's story mm-hmm. and what we do on this podcast is share experiences mm-hmm. so your mm-hmm. birth story of noah has come up quite a few times yeah we know that she was quite premature mm-hmm. and i think my first question is like going back to the start so for i i don't know too much about prematurity mm-hmm. but what i do know is that like there's preeclampsia which has risks of prematurity mm-hmm. we've had some friends recently that were told you know if you conceive there's a risk of prematurity okay did you know that it was on the cards? No, I'm going to be honest. I was quite naive and didn't even like in my head. I don't. I guess I just didn't even think about babies coming early. Like yeah. it wasn't something that anyone had ever talked about. It wasn't something. I mean, I was aware of it. I guess like I knew babies came early and people lost babies if they came early and things like that. But I didn't really know too much about it. There was no warning, so I was under a consultant. So my pregnancy was consultant led because I'd had brain surgery a few years before. But that was simply because it was going to have to be a C-section because I have a shunt. So I couldn't push for the extra pressure and things like that. So but there was no talk of prematurity at all. There was no risk as far as we knew um, Mm. of her coming early. Um, And yeah, it just wasn't something that I'd ever thought about. Like even when I started to think maybe something wasn't right when everything was going on, I, I still don't think I'd really like absorb the fact that she could come early even. Mm. So like about a week before she came, there was a brief mention of, we need to just check that she's not coming early. And they checked and said, she's not. And I think that was the only time that I ever briefly thought about it. But yeah, other than that, just didn't even think um, really until she was coming, that, that so, she was on her way. So the first time that you thought, hang on she could be coming she was coming yeah so um about i think it was about 10 or 11 days before she arrived 
I went into hospital because I'd had some bleeding and um, they just, I'd had some bleeding previously in the pregnancy as well. Um, but they'd always sort of said, you know, this this can be quite normal. Some people do have bits of bleeding throughout. Um, and this time they decided to keep me in overnight and they basically did some really invasive tests the next day um, just to check because basically when I was bleeding, not to be too graphic, <laughs> um, but they found it wasn't just blood they found like a clear liquid and they thought that it could be some of the the liquid from around the baby so they thought that maybe um there was signs of of her coming early um but then when they did all the tests they said no the levels are fine there's nothing wrong so I went out of hospital and it was yeah about just over a week later that I started to have what I now know to be contractions um and I started to go into labor but yeah even with all the tests they still they still assured us that everything was okay, which it was at the time. That's not anything against the NHS. It was fine at the time. Um, but yeah, then it was about a week later that she started to come. Goodness me. Yeah. <laughs> and how are you feeling yeah. during all this as as the father? It's so weird because you're you're trying to like be positive. Mm. You're trying to always keep a positive attitude. Like, I remember, <clears throat> just being reminded then, of like when the bleeding happens, you kind of go, oh but you know the nurse said this like she experienced mm-hmm. being the whole way through and so you're trying to be a constant positive source of yeah. just don't go into a pit of misery and like panic all the time because mm-hmm. that's the last thing you want for a pregnant lady mm-hmm. um, and so quite literally um, up until Noah was here I was in that mode of everything's going to be fine we're okay mm-hmm. that's what they've told us everything's going well yeah. um, it's obviously not going well it might be painful but it's like ah. Oh, so yeah really weird completely unprepared um but i I remember it being very emotional Mm -hmm. um mainly because we were i think i i was scared that we would lose her yeah um that was the only option that i thought would happen Mm. um i didn't even think that she'd be born early i didn't really know that was a thing um until it was yeah um because it was i was 27 weeks when i had the first that that bleeding when i went in and they were checking and that night was really scary for me because there was a lady on the ward that I was on who was having contractions and was having an early birth um and she just kept sort of screaming and saying you know they're coming too early they're not going to be okay and obviously I'm waiting for my test the next day so I'm like oh my gosh like this is that's going to be me tomorrow um that's in that position um so I remember being really really nervous um but like speaking to Jay on the phone and him going, it's going to be fine. You know, if they were worried, they were taking you in now. They wouldn't be waiting until tomorrow. Um, All the, you know, logical stuff that when you're in that position, you can't always think through. And then obviously the next day, everything was okay. Um, But yeah, I just, it was a really scary sort of 24 hours, that one. Um, I I remember being at home mm, mm. with you and this was like kind of three days, two days before Noah was here. Yeah. And uh, you were having contractions. Mm-hmm. They told us it was Braxton Hicks. And like we were timing them, like, you know, the type of thing. Like, Braxton Hicks don't, <laughs> come, <laughs> don't come regularly, yeah. um, like in five minute intervals, um, which we now know contractions do. Wow. And so we were, we were at home and like, I remember going, oh, that's five minutes. That's five minutes. Yeah. That's five minutes. And we were both even, just like- Even to the point where it was like four minutes, 59, and then geez. like five minutes, one. And we were going, is that different enough? Yeah. Like- and like, but I remember you being like in pain. Yeah. And then you were just like, oh, I'll just go to sleep. 
Yeah. And like I remember I remember that now. Obviously haven't experienced it now going, that's contractions. Yeah. Of course it is. But before you have kids you have no idea. Yeah. You have no frame of re- reference. Yeah. And so you're just like there trying to soldier through yeah. actually like being in labour. Um I remember because you Google everything, right? Like, even though they tell you not to, (laughs) you Google everything. And I remember Googling, it was like, Braxton Hicks aren't usually painful. So I was like, well, they're not usually painful, but I've obviously just got painful ones. Leaves room for some interpretation. Yeah, and then it was like, and Braxton Hicks usually aren't regular. Well, they're not usually, so does that mean they can be? And like, because I'd just been told, we, I actually went into hospital four times over three days, sort of in and out, in and out, um, with what I now know to be contractions um and initially as any woman who has ever given birth will know it normally starts with sort of like a just like a bit like a period pain like sort of sort of warns you that maybe something's about to happen and that's what I first went in with and a little bit more fresh bleeding and um I did one of the 150,000 urine tests that they make you do when you're pregnant and um it showed a little bit of of blood and they they put it down to me having a urine infection which I did I had a urine infection and actually you asked about um you know some of the things that can cause premature birth well urine infections is something that they think now can cause premature birth and that's what they think happened with me yeah they think it was caused by a a urine infection that you know people get them all the time um and sometimes they can lead to further complications so um essentially what happened is I had a urine infection which was correctly diagnosed they struggled to tell if I was in labour or not because obviously it was very early on um I wasn't particularly dilated and also because I'd had previous bleeding um some of the normal tests the standard tests that they do to see if you were in um labour they couldn't do um or were more difficult because of that so um they couldn't really tell if I was in labour or not but didn't think I was and then just every time I went in the symptoms we now know we're labour and I was having contractions and they were getting worse as labour does. Um, But they put it down to a worsening urine infection. They thought it was leading to like a kidney infection and kidney stones. Um, So it essentially just got misdiagnosed. (laughs) And I got, yeah, uh, the fourth time I went in, I was in a lot of pain as anyone who's had contractions will tell you, they're not particularly pleasant um, or they can be quite painful. And um, yeah, so I essentially gave birth surprising not just me <laughs> but all the medical staff around me were very surprised when she came along as well um because they thought I had kidney stones they didn't realize I was in labor so that was that was going to be my next question and throw into the mix covid at the mm, time yeah, yeah. So, so so I was completely I alone you're on your yeah own. yeah because yeah, Jay wasn't allowed in at all which I think you know looking back with hindsight if he'd have been there he probably would have fought for the fact that I was saying that I was having contractions Mm. and my waters broke as well. So I did have, my waters did break. It was a slow break. So it was like over a few hours. And again, not having a child before, I was like, is that, you know, is that my waters breaking? I don't, I don't know. Because it's not like it is in the films, right? No, it doesn't look like it does in the movies. It didn't all just like gush out all in once. So I was like- Yeah, in a shop. (laughs) Yeah, just on the floor in a neat little puddle. Always in a shop. Yeah, yeah, right. (laughs) Just on a floor, a nice shiny floor somewhere. So it's very clear that that's what's happened. And there's a splash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't that. Ours was on our sofa. Oh, gosh. Which was grim, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was gross, right? But yeah, so I didn't know, but I sort of said, I think my waters are broken. I think I'm having contractions. But I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. And like when they came, when the contractions came, I couldn't speak. You know, I was in a lot of pain. Um, and 
you know, looking back, I think if Jay had been there, he he would have fought harder for me because mm. he would have had a clear head. Maybe not, <laughs> but yeah. a clearer head than I did because I mm. was in pain. And, you know, when medical professionals around you are saying it's not labour, it's, it's something else. And I didn't want her to come early because in my head coming that early again I, I didn't know anything about premature labor I thought it's too early she won't survive that was what my head was telling me so when they're telling me it's something else I grabbed onto that I was like great yeah. um so yeah I, yeah looking back had Jay been there it probably would have had quite a different outcome I think yeah um, and I think if nothing else that's what you know a lot of people have learned through COVID that actually you're not when you're in pain <laughs> or, you know, when you're going through something difficult, you're not your best advocate. And actually you need that person there to kind of speak up on your behalf. Mm, so yeah. yeah, COVID just, as with anyone who went through anything in COVID, it just complicates everything really. Yeah. Because mm. I think as as a, a partner and a father and a husband that's been through pregnancy and birth twice, mm, mm. sometimes you can just feel a little bit helpless. And that's when you're in the room, basically you're there to hold a hand. <laughs> yeah. Mm. And you're in a car sat outside yeah i mean how, it, it, how does that feel yeah helpless and i think even in the context of when no when the birth was actually taking place i was at home i was mm -hmm. literally sent home they thought it was kidney stones they were like we're going to do a scan in the morning and so from my head it was like everything's done for the night mm -hmm. come home the next day um and then it is yeah literally you're just useless and the whole way through the process pre-birth and post-birth um there's not a lot you can do as a dad mm. you can't feed especially if you're, you're breastfeeding you, you you are a lot a lot of useless there and in covid when there's only one person per the child mm. um so when noah was born um like i went home and they didn't see you or noah for what three days uh well you didn't see me for three days because i was i was in hospital for three days you did come in to see Noah, but they wouldn't let us both see her. So, um, oh, yeah, that was really weird. We had a yeah. little secret. Um, we had a secret meeting in the hallway at the hospital because <laughs> yeah. it was the only time we could see each other. And, and it was really emotional. Um, I, oh, gosh, yeah. 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 So it was yeah. like, you know, uh, so to kind of briefly go through what happened, I went onto a ward where all the other mums had their children with them. Um, and, and thankfully they put me in like a little private room on the ward because I think if I'd have had to stay, I've heard stories of people that are in the same situation that have had to stay on the ward with all the other mums with their healthy babies. Oh, wow. um, and then my baby was like down down the stairs through the hall, we're like a little bit far away in an incubator and we didn't know what was, was gonna happen. Um, so I'm really grateful that they kind of put me in my own room because I, I don't think I would have coped well s seeing that. I think that would have made it harder. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, and and the, the rules at the time were it was one parent per day that could see them. So it wasn't like one parent at a time and mm. you could swap halfway through the day. You had to make the decision who was going to see that child for that whole 24 hours before the next one Jeez. could come in. So I stayed on the ward um because i'd had some tearing because i because i'd given birth by myself even though she was only two pound nine when she was born um i did have some tearing because obviously without a midwife i didn't know what i was doing <laughs> so i just pushed when it felt right um and and obviously you know normally they can tell you to slow down and things if it looks like you're going to tear but that's fine so i stayed to recover um and i was also um having to start trying to express because obviously my body 
wasn't entirely ready for her to arrive. Yeah, of course. Um, So I had to start trying to like, because I really did want to breastfeed. And one of the things, obviously, that they they really do push um, breastfeeding anyway as being um, what's best. But when you've got a tiny little baby who's struggling anyway, they really do try and encourage you to, to do whatever you can, even if it's the smallest amount. Um, because they they really need all the help they can get at that point. So I was trying to learn how to do this every few hours. I was trying to express. Um, and then I could take it down and, and, and feed it to her. She was fed through a tube, so I, I couldn't breastfeed. She wasn't, she wasn't strong enough to do that at the time, um, being so tiny. So she was fed through a tube. And then the day that Jay came in, um, although I was in the same hospital and I knew she was just downstairs, I couldn't see her for the whole 24 hours. So it was very much relying on each other to to mm. keep... We, thankfully, now we have smartphones. I mean, I don't yeah. know what people did before being able to send photos. Yeah. Um, but we could kind of give each other an update. But those early days, for anyone who's experienced having a child in intensive care... Um, it's the first few days are really really tough because it's all brand new so you know you go in and there's this tiny little baby with all these wires and tubes Mm. and monitors and that are going off like the alarms go off like really regularly don't they um and obviously the nurses and that no not to worry that's that's fairly normal it's just so they can check um that their heartbeat's still going and things but their but Noah's heart did stop a few times over those those first sort of few days yeah, so it was what the day that I came down after you'd been to see her for a day. I came down and they um, their first thing they said to me was, "Oh, um you'll notice that the tube that was helping her breathe had been changed." And they were like, "It's because basically it, it got blocked <laughs> during the night and she stopped breathing." So they had to resuscitate her and put a brand new one in. And at that point I was like, oh, I thought like we'd kind of got past sort of the initial things and that's why we we had our secret meeting in the hallway because I couldn't I needed someone just to cry on their shoulder really um and as great as the nurses and doctors are you you can't do that and with covid you couldn't touch them like you would so it was like I just needed someone that I could just yeah just sit and cry and the the amount of dirty looks we got from people walking past Um, it might have been in my head to be fair you think of the context of like there were people dying like all over the place yeah of course yeah and people weren't able to see their loved ones and all that kind of stuff Mm. and so we were like really careful to make sure it was like a urgent, and it was. It, it was. It was an urgent, urgent yeah. thing, but at the same time, we were also still seeing each other when you came home, and then taking it turns. So. Yeah, so it was weird. I could come home. So after a few days, I came. I could come out because I was health. They gave me the option to stay for longer, but I was like, I I don't want to. I need to go home um, to be with Jay, and so in the evenings we couldn't stay on the ward. So. The ward had sort of a 24-hour policy, didn't it? You could actually go in at any time of the day, which was great. But they encouraged people to go home and get some sleep at night because we needed to take care of ourselves in order to... There were long days in... You know, we were getting there at sort of 7, 8 o'clock in the morning and we weren't coming home till like 7, 8 o'clock at Mm. night. So it was a long day. Exhausting, obviously, emotionally, physically draining. Well, for me, I was expressing every three to four hours while I was in the ward and then throughout the night as well to try and encourage my milk supply um, that that wasn't quite ready to start. Mm. So we needed that time with each other at night. So we were seeing each other at night. So we were with each other, but we couldn't be with each other in the hospital. Um, And yeah, so thankfully we we had the evenings together to kind of unwind and unpack whatever had happened in the day. Mm. Because regardless of whether we were the person in the hospital or you were the person outside of the hospital, it it was tough. Yeah, Um, it's all consuming. And like, just 
you, you mentioned like she stopped breathing in the night. The staff at the NICU are incredible. Yeah. So the neonatal intensive care, is that right? Ne- neonatal intensive care unit is NICU. Le- they are honestly so on it. Yeah. Um, and like being there so much, you appreciate it and it gives you that confidence to go home. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. cause you know any noise, like they're on it and it's not, un- it's, it's unlike any of the hospital environment I've been in. Yeah. Because um, there's like there's a, there's more staff than usual in that room. Yeah. Um, there's like one nurse that's probably, in our case, they were responsible for one or two, maybe three children at most. Yeah. Um, and it was just that assurance. Mm. Um, you needed that to leave, didn't you? NICU nurses are absolute superheroes in my view because it's like they're not only looking after the child they're looking after the parents because like to be honest with you I was a state a lot of the time like I spent 50% if not more of my time crying while I was in there just Mm. not necessarily because I was like really sad although I was but just because it's overwhelming like you're sat there you know whether it's like overwhelming emotion because you're trying to get to know your child if you can through an incubator so I wasn't able to hold Noah for a week so that first bit you're trying to get to know them you're, you can sort of touch at the beginning you, it's when they're that young as well and and people have you know children that are born even earlier than that so I can't imagine but you can sort of hold their hand but you're told not to put too much pressure because their skin's really sensitive because it hasn't developed and you're sort of like trying to work out what you can and can't do and try to bond with your child Mm. in that way is really overwhelming anyway excuse me so yeah there's like real ups and downs because when they hit a milestone and they do something you know whether it's the breathing tube comes out or they've fed you know on their own for the first time through their mouth or I don't know you know oh you've been able to put them in a baby grow for the first time because at the beginning you can't because their skin's so sensitive it's like a massive high Mm. because it's like you can see them like doing this stuff that maybe I know every parent with their child it's like a milestone's amazing but I think when they're that small you're the milestones that they do are like one step closer to coming home so you have these massive highs where you're just so proud of this like tiny child fighting so hard but then you also have these massive lows because the the monitors go off and their heart stopped or the oxygen saturations dropped really mm. low and it's like it's just constantly up and down I know you've spoken about how parenting's up and down anyway and that emotional up and down is exhausting but yeah there's something really intense about being in that environment um, and I think it took me a good three or four weeks before I even realised what the alarms meant, what the different tubes were. I wish at the time I'd asked more questions, yeah. um, but I think I was afraid to ask questions in case the answers weren't what I wanted to hear. Yeah, that's, um, yeah, well, that's fair enough. Because I remember asking a question actually about, um, you know, the startle reflex that babies have when they like, when they first come home and they like, they sort of go like that or mm. they... She she did that, didn't she? But it looks like she, she'd do it quite a lot and then she'd suddenly stop. And I remember saying to a nurse quite early on, oh, why does why does she do that? Because I didn't know anything about the startle reflex. And she went, oh, you know, it's the, the startle reflex. Babies do this. They were like, or, and she just sort of said it as oh, like wow. a, a bit of a throwaway comment. Or it could be, you know, seizures, but we'll keep an eye on that. And then just walked off. And like, just I casual. remember, yeah, just yeah. casually throwing it out there. And I just remember thinking, what? Like... <laughs> this thing that like you've kind of gone is absolutely fine and like my heart just went oh good <laughs> oh and then or it could be this really serious thing could be nothing I think or everything <laughs> or everything and I remember thinking and I I don't think I consciously thought it 
But I think after that, I just stopped asking questions mm. just in case it was going to be an answer that I didn't think I could handle. Um, and so, but I wish I'd asked a lot more because when I did pluck up the courage to ask, 90% of the time there was a really simple explanation like, oh yeah, that alarm goes off because of this, but we're not worried about that because that's totally normal, normal for babies of this age. Or, yeah. you know, so there was, I wish I'd asked more questions, but at the same time, I think that's I was just afraid. Because like, I didn't ask a lot of questions because I didn't know what to yeah, ask. There is that too. Like every morning there's a doctor's round mm-hmm. and they go, oh, have you got any questions? And I'm like, I've never been here before. I have I, no frame of reference. I think of what the one question that you want to ask is, is my baby going to be okay? Yeah. And you know that's the one question that they won't be able to give you a direct answer for. Yeah. Because they don't know. They never know at that stage until you're taking your baby home. And even then, um, there, there's, there's, although the chances are really, really good. And actually, I've got to say, for 28 weeks, the chances of survival now are 90%. I think that's right. I think it's still 90%. So they are really good. Like the chances yeah. of them surviving are really good. There's lots of things that can go wrong and the chances of them having long-term issues and stuff are a bit higher. Um, but yeah, the chances of survival are really good now because of all the technology. They're just brilliant at what they do. Um, but yeah, that's the one question you want to ask and the one that you know they, ca- they can't really give you mm-hmm. a direct answer to, at least at the early stages anyway. Were there some moments where you thought, we've lost her? <laughs> yeah, there were quite a few. I, for yeah. me, at the, the very first, like when I first gave birth, I was convinced that she wasn't going to make it. And actually, um, I gave birth, uh, like I said, by myself. I actually gave birth to her on a commode. Um, in So it's like a, a chair, for anyone that doesn't know, it's like a chair. They put like a cardboard, you know those cardboard things that you see? It's a portable people pee chair in. toilet. Yeah, it's a portable chair toilet. There we go. Um, and I gave birth to her on that. And I'm so grateful that because the nurse initially asked me if I needed one. I said, absolutely not, because I didn't know I was in labour. And I'm so glad that she went, I'll just leave it here just in case. Because had yeah. she not, Noah would have been born on a normal toilet and she would have gone into the water. But she was born and I initially asked the nurse who came in to check to see if I said, I'm pretty sure I'm giving birth. <laughs> I was like, there's nothing else like it. Can you just check and see if there's a baby there? She initially looked in and said, no, no, it's just blood. Just blood. There's nothing, nothing in there. And then I... And, and at this point, she was like half out of me. I could feel that she was half out of me and I could feel her squirming around. So I knew she was alive. And nobody thinks you're in labour at this point. No. So they didn't. I'd actually called Jay while I was pushing to tell him to come to hospital because I knew that no one believed me and no one was calling him. Yeah. Um, and um, l- later on, I did find out that they'd called the crash team just in case. So they... I say they hadn't believed me. They didn't acknowledge that they had, but I think they'd kind of gone um, and done what they needed to anyway, just in case. And the nurse said, no, um, there's not. And I was like, I know there is. And there was like, I, she was so small. She came out in like three or four pushes. And I sort of did the final push. And I said, no, can you check again? I know I've just given birth. Like I, I know that she's there. And she looked in and she went, oh yeah, there's a baby there. And then just silence. And I was like, okay and then I literally just said is is my baby dead that they were the words that came out and she didn't say anything at all because she didn't know what to say and she was in shock and she was in shock I know she was in shock because when the crash team arrived she came into action and was a totally different person but the time she just sat there in silence because she didn't know what to say and and that's when I just started sort of screaming out I literally was screaming out over and over again like my baby's dead my baby's dead like there was nothing it was just like coming out of me at this point 
And so, yes, I thought we'd lost her. Wow. Um, and the crash team arrived. Um, well, they actually, the midwife arrived first because the crash team got lost because um, it was COVID. They'd moved everything around and they got lost on the way. So the midwife arrived and she sprang into action, got her out, was rubbing her back and stuff. And it turns out she didn't have a heartbeat and she wasn't breathing. Um, so... And that's when I arrived. And that's when you arrived. So I, I, I was getting that phone call <laughs> yeah. straight into my car, um, powered it down the motorway because it was like 15 minutes away. And you got um, there in... I got there in like eight. <laughs> there uh, are any police listening, you got there in 15 minutes. I got there in eight, like, uh, <laughs> I think if you uh, get a fine when, <laughs> when labour's on the cards, is that a valid excuse to get out of one? <laughs> I, I reckon <laughs> no if there idea. is any case, that's probably a case. Yeah, yeah. listeners, let us know. Um, but I arrived as I saw the crash team running in. Yeah. And so I wasn't able to go in. Again, COVID rules, but also the crash team needed space. And then I was there for a little bit and then someone came out to meet me and then just said, your wife's doing okay, but I'm really sorry that there's no heartbeat. And then she just turned around and went back in. Of the baby. She did clarify the baby. <clears throat> wow. Yeah. And so I'm just literally just sat there like, oh my word. Yeah. Um, and I waited a few more minutes and then went, oh, I need to call the parents. Mm. Not not the parents, our, no, our, our parents. parents. Yeah. So I literally went outside, called my mother-in-law, called my mum, and yeah. Um, and then I remember just like sat outside and like just praying. Mm. I was wrecked. Mm. And I was yeah. literally just like, I, I remember praying like, God, I, I believe you raised Jesus from the dead. Like I need you to bring my baby back. Mm. Mm. Um, and then I walked back in, still wasn't able to go back into the thing and just sat there and waited um and by that time and the midwife or nurse came back out um and just said they've got, they've got a heartbeat and i was like oh gosh mm. amazing amazing that you can go see your wife in a minute i was like oh, wow mm. um yeah and yeah. At the, i mean at that point you know i they'd they were resuscitating her on the floor in front of me which was which was not my favourite memory that I've got because um, she was so tiny. But that's why I know the nurse was in shock at the time um, because she was absolutely brilliant at that point. She yeah. was like rubbing my hands. She was saying, because uh, I started praying as well. And she was saying, do you want me to pray with you? I've no idea if she had any faith at all, but she was, you know, do you want me to pray with you? Um, like she was absolutely brilliant and jumped into action. So yeah, for sure she was in shock. Um, through it because um, you know she wasn't expecting she wasn't on a maternity ward she wasn't mm. expecting a child to arrive so um, of course yeah so I, yeah so for her that, that's not something you know they did actually well we, while we were in NICU every now and then they would check in to see if you know if it was okay if they could ask whether she was doing all right because I think for them they were like we've had a baby born <laughs> on our ward that doesn't happen mm. you know that often so mm. yeah but yeah, it was quite, and then obviously we sort of got to sort of wave her off as she went off to the intensive care unit, and then it was almost another twenty-four hours, wasn't it, before we could see her again? Was it? I thought it was ten. Oh, was it? Oh my gosh, I don't know. I've lost track. I remember, although it might have been. It, yeah, it was twenty well, over twenty over twenty-four hours. She was born at two o'clock in the morning. I didn't leave the hospital until five in the afternoon the next day. Yeah. I don't I know. Bet, I bet it felt like weeks. Anyway, regardless. yeah, whatever yeah. it was, it felt like a really, really, really long, long time. time. Wow, goodness yeah. me! So one yeah. one thing I want to ask, and forgive me if this sounds like a harsh question, mm. when you give birth and you get given the, the baby for the first time in mm -hmm. a, a normal, straightforward birth, you 
and my experience is you feel like a parent straight away and you feel like a family straight away mm. you don't have that experience so you've just given birth did you feel like a mum straight away um not until I saw her um but to be honest with you <laughs> I was being stitched up and all sorts like I was on gas and air I had no idea what planet I was on at half the time so um but no I think at first I remember like facetiming friends to tell them what had happened and being quite like upbeat about it like not like oh great she's arrived but like oh my gosh this has happened you'll never believe I was in shock I think for that first yeah. you I know, remember first it bit. you were definitely yeah. in shock because we were basically in this room yeah and they said you'll get to see your baby soon every time they came in they said yeah. that like hours and hours and hours yeah I was freaking out and Em was just like I've got a video. If you literally just on the bed, just smiling, just like, yeah. just giving birth. Yeah. Absolutely, we're in shock. I was, um, yeah, I was in total shock. And I don't think I acknowledged that she was there, really, mm. um, because I hadn't seen, like, I'd seen her briefly. And then I think I just sort of closed off and it was just like, oh, this yeah. is weird. And I've spent a lot of time in hospitals. Mm. So it wasn't even weird for me to be in hospital in, in a strange way because I've been in and out of them for various things. So I think I was just, yeah, just didn't really think anything about being a mum at all and then we went to see her and I think I because I've listened in your podcast you talk about that some people have that overwhelming love some people don't for some people it comes later I it's quite tricky for me to kind of put a finger on when that happened for me because I think the first time that I saw her I did acknowledge I was a mum there was this kind of rush of like she's yours mm. <laughs> like you know she's alive there was this massive relief mm. of like she's breathing I can see her chest moving up and down um like oh my gosh she looks like a baby because I didn't know if she'd even really look like a baby um because she came so early but she had the fingers she had the toes we didn't see her face because she had these weird like ski goggle things on because she was under like a really bright light mm. so um they put those on because obviously um, they work but like a plant <laughs> yeah 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 those little things that you put over yeah like a plant to help them grow um but and I just remember being like I think I just I was just so desperate for her to survive so I think my mm. first kind of feeling as a mother I was both I was I was both desperate for her to live and also afraid to 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 feel for her too much do you know what I mean? I was afraid to to want her to survive yeah. because if she didn't, I didn't know how I'd cope. Mm. Because I'd already in in a weird way because I thought she was not alive at the beginning. I'd already started to grieve her, and then she was alive, and then I was like, "Is she going to survive?" Because although the odds are good at twenty eight weeks, she didn't come in a controlled way. Mm. Like most people who have a baby at twenty eight weeks, it would be in a very controlled like we've chosen that now she has to come so let's go c-section or whatever she obviously didn't come in that way and wasn't particularly she was very bruised she was very injured all over her body because essentially she'd come out and 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 hit something so yeah i think i was i both was obsessed with her and desperate for her to be okay and loved her in that way and was also really cautious to love her because I was like, if I love her too much, then it's just going to hurt more if if we don't take her home. And I actually think I felt like that the whole time she was in intensive care, to be honest. Even when she was getting better and getting stronger, 
I think I was still afraid that she wasn't ever going to make it out of there. Mm. Even though the odds were really good, <laughs> um, there was still part of my brain going, but she might not. She might not come home. Mm. Uh, this might be a test of your faith, which was really weird. But I had that little thing going on in my head as well. And yeah, it was it was hard, I think. And I don't think we felt like a family because we'd never been with her together. Other than that first time we were allowed to see her. Of course, yeah. We'd never actually all been in the same room again after that. So, yeah, that was tough. Yeah, I think, um, and yeah, it was like that a few times. Mm. There were a few kind of big ups and a few big downs. Yeah. Um, Another few occasions where we thought we lost her. Yeah. She she developed sepsis. So um, the way that it works in intensive care, again, it's quite hard to explain um, for people that haven't been in, but there's like three rooms. So the first room is... I can't remember what the letters are, but essentially it's like the intensive bit. It's the bit where, you know, they're really poorly babies. Mm. Um, And that's where they start. And then they go into sort of a a middle ground room. I think it's called HGU. I think it's like the high dependency unit. That's where they're sort of on the mend, but they still need like a, a lot of extra support. And then there's like the final room, which is like the room just before they go home, which is all about getting you used to as a parent When you're in the intensive care unit, you rely on the monitors to tell you how they are. And then the final room is like where you start to learn how to look after them and spot signs of them being in distress without having the monitors to tell you. Yeah, it's really good. And that's where you kind of get used to the idea of taking them home. She was in the final room. uh, So we were like thinking all we had left to establish was breastfeeding. And once she was feeding properly, then she could come home. And then she developed sepsis. Um, So one morning I went in and she was just crying and crying and crying, wouldn't stop crying. And it was really unlike her. She was quite a calm baby, wasn't she? Like she didn't really cry very much at all. Um, And yeah, so this, this morning she was just crying lots. And I was like, this is really unusual. She wouldn't feed, like she wouldn't do anything really other than cry. And I remember even the nurse that was with her said, it's just not quite right. So when the doctors came round, they sort of mentioned this, we mentioned this to the doctors and they were like, okay, let's get some blood tests, let's see what's going on. And then before they even managed to do this, thankfully at that moment, I went out to to express some milk and um, essentially what happened is all the alarms went off and I was like, what's going on? Turns out it was for my baby. When all the alarms go off, you hope it's not yours and it was in this case. And essentially what had happened is her oxygen levels had just plummeted, her heart had stopped and they'd had to rush her from that final room back into the intensive care room. And a a doctor came to get me while I was expressing and was like, this is what's happened. Um, She stopped breathing, her heart stopped and we've moved her back into the intensive care room. Come into intensive care when you're ready and then just left. No further explanation. And I was like, huh? And I was on the phone to my mum at the time. So I was like, mum, something's happened. I'm going to have to go. Um, and the the nurse, I will forever be grateful and I don't want to get her in trouble. Um, but she came in and it was COVID. She took her mask off and just came and gave me this massive hug because she could see that I was struggling. And I just sobbed. I'm getting emotional. She just sobbed. Uh, I just sobbed on her and she was like, it's okay. I've taken all your stuff. Leave all your stuff here. I'll bring it through and just go and see, go and see your baby. And uh, yeah, so she, basically what had happened is she developed sepsis and for the next 24 was it 48 hours it was sort of hit and miss as to whether she was going to make it through um the doctor sort of pulled me aside and said i need to tell you this is really serious we're not sure she's going to survive this just as you think just as we we're think in departures yeah we're in the yeah. sort of on the home run the home stretch um 
yeah, they were like, this is potentially, you know, this is life-threatening. And how old is she at that point? So she was six weeks. So she wasn't at her due date. So officially she was, <laughs> officially she was still minus um, age, yeah. but she was actually six weeks old. So 28, what's 28 plus six? 34 weeks. Quick maths. It's the first time we've got it right as well. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, um, there was there were many more after that as well. There's a few more after that, but last month, Mm. she no two months ago, she turned two. Yeah, she did. Two years old. Um, Absolutely nothing wrong with her. Yeah. Yeah. Apart from that, she just loves to talk. (laughs) And and she's obsessed (laughs) with looking at her own poo. Yeah. Apart from that. (laughs) Other than Um, that, she's great. She likes to eat your food. <laughs> yeah, trying to eat my food. Um, but, I mean, and there's so much more to the story. As with every story, there's so much yeah. more yeah. to stuff and like in between bits. And um, we ba- basically didn't work for eight months and hid in our yeah. in, in your parents' attic. However, yeah, um, we got it through. Yeah, and uh, that really experience was one of the main reasons why we started wanting to talk about it. Yeah, want to talk about it because actually from the little bits that we'd heard from other people it was like life-saving life-saving yeah. really was um, helping us get through um and the more that you know by having a child that was premature suddenly we were having conversations with people who were saying oh my child was premature or mm. i was a premature baby or and it was suddenly like oh well i'd never heard these stories before kind of like you know you guys on the podcast when you start sharing stuff people get in touch and start speaking to you about their experience yeah. we had the exact same mm. with prematurity suddenly i was like having these conversations about prematurity that people just hadn't ever spoken about before because i think they were it was that I think previously you said, oh, how many times have you just said, oh, and we had some complications. That I think was people's stories. Oh, they came early. They were £2.9 or whatever. Yeah. We spent a bit of time in hospital and then they came out. And that's like the story, the kind of short version that you get from people. And it never, ever explains, you know, that time that people have gone through, sat there worrying that their baby's not going to make it, worrying what that yeah, future's going to look the like. Yeah. And it, yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's crazy. And I think that's why it's so important to talk about this stuff mm. is because suddenly people can, it gives them permission, if you like, not that we need, should need permission, but it gives people permission to start telling their story and maybe heal from some of the stuff that they've never healed from before. Mm. So, Yeah. But I think, I mean, you're a hero. Oh, yeah, honestly, to me, you're an amazing mum. <laughs> and uh, I'm so proud of you. Oh, thank and, you. Uh, that's nice. I think that might be the nicest thing you've ever said on this podcast about On oh, the podcast? I am quite... I'm a nice husband he is nice behind in, he, He's nice in private. <laughs> yeah. So we've talked about uh, kind of the past and the, the early days. Mm-hmm. You've just mentioned that Noah's two now. Mm-hmm. On the first episode, you talked about asking me about having two. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. How does all of that that you went through, and I asked this to Sam as well, how does that shape your conversation of should we try again is it like the worst thing imaginable for you because you think last time wasn't smooth or do you think it can't be as bad this time or how does that look so we joked at the beginning about me talking for i'm not like everyone's (laughs) experience is different so for me actually i haven't worried about any of that for this if we went for a second because (laughs) it sounds really bad and it obviously could be worse but my thing is like it can't be worse than last time um we've kind of like what are the chances of all of that happening again um so I don't know for me 
yeah for me it's kind of like we've been through one of the worst things that we could I know there is worse but you know what I mean like it's unlikely to be that bad again um so for me I'm not worried about any of that it's more of the how on earth would I handle two children at home um (laughs) rather than because actually I would say all of that bit was really hard with her in hospital but bringing her home was still really hard as well. You know, learning how to just be a parent when you, you've, mm. you've only got each other to rely on or whatever. That in itself has a, a hundred different struggles that I think every parent goes through. Um, and so actually I don't, yeah, I'm not, I don't know about you, I can't speak for you, but for me, the medical side of it, like they would monitor me so closely because of what we went through last time that actually any little thing I feel like they'd look at so quickly Mm. that actually in some ways it would probably be safer than someone who's maybe never had a child before um so yeah from that side I'm not too worried about that I just don't know how I handle I'd handle two running around (laughs) yeah whereas (laughs) where I'm I'm in the frame of mind of like we and specifically you as well have Mm. to be in the best physical shape possible yeah I spent too much of my life in hospital next to you in a bed (laughs) I, I would do it any day yeah if if it needed to be done but it's like actually to give ourselves the best possible like Mm. outcome um and like the reality is after having noah we just stopped caring for our bodies yeah that's true we just started and you do when you go through traumatic stuff you just don't care about anything Mm. else we've not quite got back to uh (laughs) the people we used to be um we look like i look like i've eaten him So just when, like, you, when we look back at photos, I'm like, oh my gosh, we do look like we've eaten those people. It's, it's, they don't it's, exist when, anymore. it's when your child struggles to recognise you yeah. from two years ago from photos. Yeah, who's that, Noah? Uh... <laughs> but it's more it's the man I used to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but like kids are hard work anyway, and so yeah. it's like I want to be in the best physical shape so I can actually cope mm. the best I can without being yeah. ridiculously tired. Yeah. Other than that, and knowing how much like physically you go through like birth wise like for any person like I would always encourage you know try and <laughs> try and put yourself in a good position because it's hard recovery is hard anyway mm. um, and you never know what kind of birth you're going to have so it's like actually being physically prepared we we, we have spoken we can't have another one yet because we're both in, a t- yeah. in terrible shape but yeah apart from that because my my main concern was um yeah, like her course. mental health as well that was Gosh, the main yeah. thing so as long as that's okay yeah game okay. not right now but you know I, I would one <laughs> good of pod the things, content yeah one of the things I would probably do was set up some counselling immediately for after it's something that I would never have thought of before um, but I would probably have a counsellor lined up for possibly even throughout pregnancy as well just someone that I could talk to because I did speak to a counsellor after everything that happened with Noah and it was the best thing I ever did Mm. but sometimes we do it as a reactive if something's gone wrong I think this time I would be a lot more prepared and have someone there so that I could proactively talk to them um, rather than trying to sort of pick up the pieces if anything did go wrong I think that makes sense that makes sense that's a great parenting tool top (laughs) tool (laughs) <laughs> so we started Emily this episode with talking about our proudest moments and been yeah. what you've been through with Noah and at times thinking that you might lose her. Mm. What is your proudest moment so far since giving uh, as in my giving... proudest moment of me or of Noah? <laughs> <laughs> Either or. or of I Jason. Was so proud how I uh... <laughs> I am excellent. <laughs> um, so my proudest moment of Noah. Gosh, so just that's... to give you some time to think, yeah. I feel terrible about my answer now because in a weird way, I forgot she went through all of that. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I can't even remember what yours was. And it was what? An hour ago? <laughs> My proudest moment. Gosh, there's so many. I think it's really hard to pick one because there's so much she's been through. I think, can I just choose like a general, she's so happy. Oh, yeah. So I am so proud of her, of how happy she is. Mm. Even So even now she has a few sort of health issues. She's had sort of kidney stones and things like that. And yet, despite all of that, she is the happiest person I know, like by miles. Legit. She's so happy. Top five cutest babies. <laughs> yeah, I think I, th- I think top one, but you know, I'm her parents, so I have to say that. No, she definitely is. But um, no, I think just, yeah, just how happy she is, despite anything. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. That feels like a really good point to say thank you, Emily, for <laughs> joining welcome. us. That was episode 10. Gosh. How did that feel for you, Jace? quite emotional yeah yeah quite emotional reliving a lot of those things and like we've dealt with a lot mm. dealt with a lot of emotion counseling all that sort of stuff we've gone through it mm. um and that's my only thing about it now to anyone listening to take the time to process stuff yeah like with your partner as well like there's a lot of stuff going on mm. um so it felt it felt odd but also not mm. not like i'm digging up the past because yeah. we've dealt with that so mm. which is just uh i feel very very thankful for where we are now mm. uh, but yeah it's awesome. amazing remembering how far she's come i think yeah the point. and how big we've got <laughs> <laughs> we're good eaters that's what it is <laughs> um so we might that feels like a good point to cut but <laughs> keep this bit in just in case have you got a you've got an instagram page mm. for noah and the journey mm-hmm. is that something that people going through similar can get in touch with and ask questions on yeah, so it's at Adventures of a Preemie, um, P-R-E-E-M-I-E. Um, it's got, like, there's there's like Instagram stories of every day. We've recorded every day in NICU and what she went through. Um, so for anyone who's in a similar situation, yeah, it's just, a, it's just so nice to sometimes see what other people have been through and know that there's hope at the other side of it. Yeah, there's also, um, if anyone goes on Reddit, there's a NICU Reddit page. Yeah. That, that was really helpful for me. Yeah, it was excellent. Amazing. So please do feel free to reach out to Em and Jace on that page. And if you want to reach out to us here at the podcast, you can do. At Parenting Tools Pod on Instagram and TikTok. And you can email us. ParentingToolsPod at gmail.com. Emily, thank you so much. Thank Amazing. you very much for having me. That has been episode <laughs> X. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.